podcast all about how to create sustainable mental health and help you find a little bit of space between your ways. Today's a solo episode, so you can get to know a bit more about me and the journey that's brought me here. It's hard to know where to start, isn't it? I grew up in Devon after moving from Cheshire when I was about six. We moved to Wiltshire after my GCSEs, and then I went to study politics and international relations at Southampton University. I struggled to get settled after university, but eventually came back to Devon about 12 years ago, and it definitely feels like home now. I live here with my husband and two children. I love rock and heavy metal music. Oh, and musicals too. And I love the beach. I learnt to surf last year as part of my mental health recovery, and now I can't get enough of it. I work in the public sector as a change professional. It's working with organisations to help them deliver big changes and transformations in the way that they work or products that they use. Last year, I started speaking about my mental health journey and sharing some of the things that I've been through and the tools that I'm using to aid my recovery and help me move forward with my life. I've really enjoyed sharing my story, not because I love getting up on stage and talking to people, because frankly, that's pretty terrifying, but for the reaction I get from people, the people that reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I feel the same, or I've had something similar, or I'm helping someone through this, and I just needed to hear that it gets better. I needed to hear that there's something else I can try, and that there is a light at the end of this darkness. And for me, that makes all the fear worthwhile. The fact that I can help other people to find a bit of space and to have a bit of hope is just the best feeling. And I guess that's part of the reason for this podcast. I've been through a lot and it's hard sometimes to realise that it does get better and the journey isn't always going to be this difficult. So it's really, really encouraging to listen to other people who've been through stuff and come out the other side and people that are still working through stuff but have found ways that work for them and are willing to share it so that you can give it a go yourself. I've had anxiety my whole life. Of course, I didn't know what it was or that it was a condition and not the fact that I was broken or damaged in some way until I was a teenager. I spent my whole life pretending to be fine and pretending to be the same as everybody else when it just wasn't the case and I was battling so hard underneath to keep up that pretense that it was making me iller and iller. I've had periods of real depression, usually caused by anxiety actually, and the frustration about how it's making me feel, the lies it tells me about who I am and the way that I have to live. You know, that can all get too much and send me down the spiral of depression where I feel like I'm worthless and that life doesn't have any meaning. I know that sounds a bit dramatic, but when you're in the spiral, it really does feel that way and it's hard to pull yourself out of it. And I guess that's why often mental health conditions come in pairs because the symptoms of one and how you're experiencing your life and yourself through the lens of those symptoms can spark off something else, usually depression. Because frankly, when what you're putting out into the world, you know isn't you, you know it's not your true self, and you're frustrated because you've got no idea how to get back to that self, it's no wonder that you're depressed. And when you've got no idea how to get back to your true self, it can be really lonely and scary and completely overwhelming, like there's a huge mountain to climb ahead of you, and you've got no tools, no idea where to start, and no one helping to pull you up. After each of my children was born, I struggled with postnatal depression. It was a really, really lonely time. I struggled to bond with the children, and just felt 
really crap as a mum. I felt like I had no idea what I was doing and that I wasn't good for them, that they'd be better off if I wasn't around because I was clearly doing something wrong. That again is the condition, it tells you lies about yourself and about what you're doing. My family and friends helped me to see that actually it was a depression talking and this wasn't a true reflection of how I was living my life. But postnatal depression affects so many people and it's really difficult to get the help that you need Not least because actually people are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to say, I don't think I love my baby yet. Or I feel like nothing I do is right. And actually we haven't left the house in a few weeks because I'm terrified of being judged by other people for all the things that I'm doing wrong. It's a really difficult conversation to have. And after living that and and desperately wanting people to talk to who are feeling the same way or going through a similar experience, I decided to start a support group. We're a really small local peer support group and we're currently completely virtual and actually that works quite well it's difficult not being able to see people and offer a hug or a supportive hand if they're going through something tough and they're sharing it with you but the joy of being virtual means that we can be a lot more available and there for people when they really need us I love the support group and it's helped me phenomenally and it was off the back of that really that I started thinking about what more I could do? How could I help more people? How could I improve the system so that more people could access the support that they need and feel less afraid, less ashamed of what they were going through? That's when the idea for Connected Health started. Connected Health is my mental health charity. We officially registered with the Charity Commission last year and we're starting to make plans for the changes that we can make and the help that we can offer people. I'm really keen to provide an easy to access, easy to find place where people can see what support's available to them locally. You know, running a support group, you learn of all of the other community groups in your area who are doing things to support people. But actually, that information's really hard to find when you're not moving in those circles and when you perhaps don't have the headspace to spend hours on the internet searching. So my idea for a national register of community groups was born, really, And I'm really keen that we bring together everybody who's running community groups to help people with their mental health so that anybody can find the support available near them and health professionals can refer to those groups. So if you've gone to your doctor and you're on a waiting list for some kind of therapy or additional support, you know, they can point you in the direction of a local group that can help you in the meantime. And actually some of the relationships that we see blossoming through the support group are fantastic and continue to be supportive outside of the group's boundaries and that's a really really special thing. As I've said before I had a breakdown at the end of 2018 and that was a culmination of all of my mental health struggles to date I guess. I've spent my whole life pretending to be something I'm not and putting on the face of everything's fine, everything's wonderful, look at me with my perfect life And peddling like mad underneath to try and keep up the pretense when it was just making me unwell. And actually it's really unhelpful generally because no one has a perfect life. You know, when you see that all over social media, nobody thinks, oh yeah, that's great, they're perfect all of the time. Because nobody is. And that's okay because that's normal life. But because of the anxiety and, and sometimes depression, I struggled to see that. And the lies it told me whether I wasn't good enough, I wasn't doing enough, I wasn't, I wasn't fit to be part of society as I, as I truly am. 
and so I felt like I had to pretend. And the breakdown totally wiped me out. I couldn't leave the house, I could barely function, I cried all the time. I'll go into the breakdown and what it meant for me in more detail in another episode. But suffice to say, my life stopped. You know, I fell apart, I couldn't function, I couldn't do the barest of things, I wasn't eating or sleeping, I couldn't take the children to school, I couldn't leave the house. I'd made a plan to end my life and when I had the opportunity to carry that plan out, that's when I realised... I don't want this to be the end, but I can't live like this anymore. And I've spent every day since then trying to work out how I do want to live, how I do want to feel, and the things that bring me joy and help my mental health, and identifying the things that really don't and cutting them out of my life. It can be really hard when things that you feel everybody else does or things that you feel that you should like or people who have been in your life for a long time, when you realise that they're not good for your mental health and you need to do something about it, it can take enormous strength, enormous courage to make those steps to change your life in that way, especially at a time when you really don't feel like you're operating at your full capacity. And I think that's it for me the breakdown gave me the opportunity to start from scratch. I wasn't living at that point. So when I started to add things back into my life, I needed to make sure that they were healthy things, things that boosted my mental health, things that made me feel good about myself again. Not all the nonsense that I was doing because I thought I should. That's why I've stopped wearing jeans, because I hate them and it's all good. I know that's a little thing, but it made a big difference to how I felt every day. Anyway... (laughs) The other thing that's really helped me is just talking about it a bit more. You know, I'd got to the point where I had to talk every day about how I was feeling because there were people who were worried about me and I was worried about myself, frankly, and people who'd ask every day, you know, how are you doing today? Is it a good day? And I needed to be honest. I needed to be honest with myself more than anything. That's when I started journaling really in earnest I set myself a target to write every day for 100 days. It didn't matter kind of what I was writing. It was more about building the practice. So I wrote about how I felt, what had been going on for me that day, any reflections I had for the last few days. And it started to really help. Just that few minutes of peace to get all of the thoughts out of my head down onto the page. It really helped create some headspace for me. And actually, I got a few months in and started looking back over what I'd written. And that's when I realised I was creating my own recovery formula. This is the three R's that I'll talk about in another episode. That was groundbreaking for me because that's given me something that I can go back to time and again. It's flexible enough that I can change it when I need to. I can tailor the activities to wherever I am at that point in time. But it gives me something to follow. So when I feel my mental health dipping, I can go straight back to the three R's, work my way through them, and that helps to pull me out of it again. And now I'm working on turning that 100 days of writing into a book to share with everybody the things that I learned along the way and hopefully bring a little bit of hope to some people who are struggling. So watch this space. I've also realised it's really important for me to be in therapy, to get some proper help, to address some of this stuff that, you know, is probably been going on for my whole life so far and you know that's a really hard pattern to break and you think about those thought cycles and behaviors that are triggered by those thoughts professional help is the only way that I'm going to break some of those so up to now I've I've tried counseling I had CBT when I had the postnatal depression which I found really really helpful 
And I've tried alternative therapies like hypnotherapy and Reiki. Frankly, you know, when you feel that bad, you'll try anything. If someone had said to me I had to stand on my head every day and rub my stomach and that would get me better, that's what I'd have done. Blimey, you know, you'd do anything to feel better. And so therapy, whilst the thought of it makes me really uncomfortable and I struggle to... I struggle to want to sit there and be that vulnerable with someone I don't really know. I know it's the right thing to do for me. But equally, I'm strong enough now to know that if I go to a therapist and we we don't connect for whatever reason, if the feeling isn't right, I trust myself enough to know that I can say, look, I'm sorry, it's not working. I need to see somebody else. Because unless you have that connection, you're not going to make the progress that you need to make because there's always going to be a barrier in the way. I know myself well enough now to know that I can say that, I can say stop, and I can make healthier choices. Something else I'm working on at the moment is exercise. I've always been pretty active, but have never really found anything that I am happy to do every single day, regardless of whether I'm in a class or at home by myself. And I think that's because I'm an obliger. So Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies quiz is a really interesting exercise to do. It helps you to understand how to convince yourself to do things. I'm an obliger, which means that I really need that outer accountability. I struggle to be accountable for something that I just want to do for myself. And so I've always struggled with exercising at home just for the sake of it. When I'd set myself the challenge of writing for 100 days, I realised that it worked. I mean, no one was holding me to it, but I was holding myself accountable because I'd set myself a goal. And that's why I do really well when I go to classes. So I do ballet every week and yoga, both of which I absolutely love, but I struggle to practice at home. I love the classes, I love the community feel, and I love the fact that we have a giggle as we exercise. It's not too serious, but it's a great workout for my mind as well as my body. So I'm trying something slightly different this year. I've set myself a challenge to cycle or walk 2,020 miles in 2020. I've shared this on social media to hopefully get a little bit of outer accountability. But again, no one's holding a gun to my head. I'm doing this for myself because I want to get fitter. I want to have the benefits of exercise for my mental health. And I want to achieve something. And so by setting myself a goal, I've got something to aim for, something to focus on, and something to pull me off the sofa at the end of a long day when I'm exhausted and get me moving. As Rachel Hollis always says, move your body, change your mood. And that's what I'm hoping this will do. I love to be creative. I make jewellery and sew and I'm always up for trying a new craft. My sister Laura bought me a lino printing set for Christmas which I've really enjoyed playing with. I'm terrible at it but it's really good fun just to try something different and actually creativity is a really important part of my mental well-being. I have quite a creative job in a way thinking about how I can encourage people along the journey of the change that we're trying to implement and that does afford me some time to experiment I guess with with different options But for me, true creativity is about making something from nothing. I just love it. There's nothing more satisfying than whiling away a few hours with a selection of gorgeous beads and buttons and fabrics and and coming out with something beautiful that you can wear the other side. I think we all have creativity within us. And it's important to express that because that is part of who we are. And if we're not fully expressing who we are, you know, we're stifling that part of ourselves. And in time, that can become really unhealthy and we can struggle in other areas of our lives because we're not having that creative outlet. So if you haven't found something yet that really sparks your creativity, 
why not try something new? Have a look online. There are tons of tutorials and ideas for things that you can make with whatever you've got around the house. Or try journaling or reading books. Whatever it is that sparks your creativity, give it a go. Dedicate some of your day to it and see what a difference it makes to you. So listen, you've heard a bit about my story and who I am. I'd really like to get to know you. Please hop on over to social media and share something about yourself. What are some of the things that you like to do? How are you helping your mental health today? Anything you like. At Between the Waves Pod on Facebook and Instagram. Let's have a chat. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast to get the next episode as soon as it's ready and to help other people find us. See you next time.